0: My guess is that when anyone in your household loses a front door key or a car key, uh, everyone has to drop everything they're doing and start hunting and searching around the house to try and find uh, where the key has got lost. And they do sometimes turn up in odd places, don't they? I remember one occasion in our own house where a front door key was mislaid and we turned the whole house upside down only to find it in uh, an anorak hood. So, rather than it being put in the anorak pocket, it got put in the anorak hood. I don't quite know how that happened, Uh, but it took quite a lot of time to, to find it there. It's quite normal, isn't it? When we lose something, that we do everything necessary to find what we've lost. And then on those tragic occasions when a child goes missing... Well, that's quite another story, isn't it? For once the homes of friends and families have been checked, well, we have to get the police involved, and then sometimes the media are mobilised and hundreds of people are out there searching for the missing child. And yet none of this comes as a surprise. It's quite normal when we lose something to want to find it again and to do everything necessary to find it. And so then, why should people be surprised when God, by sending Jesus into the world, does everything necessary to find and to save people who have become lost? Why should it be a surprise to us when God is described as being happy and joyful when people who have been lost have been found and have been saved? Maybe it's not a surprise to you, I hope it isn't, but it's a surprise to some people in the Bible, for we read that the uh, Pharisees were muttering and grumbling about Jesus, precisely because he was looking and ministering to people who are lost, who were lost. It's quite shocking, isn't it, that they grumble and complain about the ministry of Jesus, because he is seeking the lost. And so the basic message of these two parables, in fact the first three parables which are found in Luke chapter 15, is to correct this bad attitude that we shouldn't be complaining when God is looking for the lost and rejoicing about it. No, these parables invite us to share in God's joy at finding and saving the lost. To understand this parable, these three parables in fact, we need to draw our attention to the people who are listening to Jesus. We learn in first, in chapter 15, verse 1, that there were tax collectors and sinners. Um, one translation in French translates it as notorious sinners. And they were there listening to Jesus. And then on the other hand we have the Pharisees. Now, tax collectors, even in our own day and age, they aren't our favourite people, really, are they? But in first century Israel, they really were quite badly despised and looked down upon. Why? First, because they collaborated with the Roman establishment, the enemy occupier. And second, because, well, they could be quite dishonest and corrupt in their dealings, and they sought to get themselves rich, by making other people poorer. And so we can understand why they were rather looked down upon and despised by other people in their society. Some may see parallels with modern investment bankers, but I I won't go further down that route. But some of these tax collectors were coming and listening to Jesus. Why were they listening to Jesus? Was it through curiosity Was it because they felt unwanted by everyone else? Was it because they realised they'd gone wrong in life? Had they realised that lots of money and wealth didn't make them happy and satisfied after all? We can only guess. I would suggest that maybe it was along those lines. And so then we need to consider the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a very influential religious party in first century Judaism. They were very pious, they were very concerned and strict about obeying the law because they thought that by being righteous, by being good, law-abiding, pious Jews that that would accelerate or help a God to send his Saviour and to liberate Israel from Roman rule. But sadly the Jesus sorry sadly the Pharisees did not like the tax collectors they despised them they saw them as notorious sinners they were very judgmental they offered them no hope and they wouldn't even sit down to eat with them why wouldn't they eat with them well because they thought that uh, being sinful being impure was contagious They thought that by eating with someone bad they would become bad themselves and they didn't want that to happen, did they? Sadly, the Pharisees didn't like Jesus either and when we read Luke's Gospel we see that uh, there are various points of contention and disagreement and conflict which eventually led to Jesus being arrested unjustly and crucified. Sometimes it was about how to respect the Sabbath but one of the big issues was about whether Jesus should be eating with tax collectors or not. And that's what they're grumbling about in chapter 15, verse 2. And that is why Jesus responds with these three parables to correct their their bad attitudes, both towards the tax collectors and towards himself. So, Jesus, who I trust needs little introduction, he tells Three parables in Luke chapter 15, all on the same theme of looking and finding, looking for and finding the lost, and then rejoicing about it. Why are there two or three parables? And a particular question is, does the parable of the lost coin add anything to the parable of the lost sheep? Well, this is a a difficult question to answer. There's no hard and fast responses. It may just be typical of Jewish parallelism, which is just a complicated way of saying that you repeat an idea using different words two or three times to really hammer home the message. So, giving three different stories with the same message just to reinforce how important this message is. Another suggestion is that Jesus is being politically correct or inclusive in his language. In the parable of the lost sheep, we have a probably relatively wealthy man, a wealthy man who goes and looks for his sheep. And in the parable of the lost coin, we have a relatively poor woman who is looking for 10% of her savings. Now, this lost coin, people think it probably uh, only represents about one day's work and uh, so think of someone on minimum wages, how much they had earned in a day. That's the worth of this coin that was lost. And if she had ten of them, that probably represented the, the family's savings. So she lost a tenth of her savings, uh, which is why uh, she's concerned about the value of that. But these two parables maybe allow everyone to identify themselves with what's going on. The rich and the poor, men and women... Everyone can see themselves in what's going on. That's one possible reason why there's two different parables. As we move on, I want to first of all look at what it means to be lost, and then look at these parables as a picture or an illustration of Jesus' ministry to the lost, and then look finally about an appropriate way to respond to these parables looking at the idea of repentance. Lost, a lost coin and a lost sheep. That's probably a picture of the human condition. How do sheep get lost? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, which maybe gives us a clue to what's going on here. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Sheep get lost, don't they, when they stop following the shepherd and go their own way. And I want to suggest that people, every one of us, gets lo- gets lost when we go our own way, when we don't listen to God who is described as our good shepherd. People lose their way in life when when they think they know best and when they refuse to follow the maker's instruction manual, the Bible. Now a sheep lost in the wilderness, certainly in Israel, was in a very exposed and dangerous position. There wasn't much water around. There were dangerous wild animals around. Being lost is to be in an exposed and dangerous place. When we refuse to listen to God, when we choose not to take seriously what he says to us in the Bible, sadly we tend to mess up our lives and expose ourselves to danger. Let's be honest, going our own way in life often leads to disaster. Often leads to unpleasant consequences. Painful and tragic consequences in our lives. But the good news in all of these parables is that losing our way in life doesn't have to be the end of the story. It's not the end of the road. Some commentators suggest that the Pharisees were saying that you tax collectors, you've gone so far that there's no hope for you, there's no way back for you. But Jesus is speaking to them he's saying, there is a way back. Jesus is saying no one is so lost as to be beyond the grace and mercy of our God. Lost people don't have to stay lost. That's one of the messages of these parables. Can we learn anything from the fact that, they, that we have a lost coin in the second parable? It's difficult to think about, but uh, I want to suggest to you that a coin that is lost, um, whilst it does have value, it, it, it can't be spent, it can't be used for the purpose for which it was made. I want to suggest that in the same way, people who have lost their way in life can't be the kind of people that God wants them to be. But Once again, Jesus is offering hope to the tax collectors, to everyone who has got lost, saying that they can find purpose in life, saying that we can find the life for which we were created we can find our way back to God and find our true value, our true identity in Him. Moving on then to getting found, in which I see a picture of Jesus or God's uh, grace and mercy towards us. First of all, we see that both the shepherd and the woman uh, did something. They took the initiative. And they were determined to do absolutely everything necessary to resolve this problem of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And Once again, we shouldn't be surprised about that. That's quite a normal thing to do. Lost sheep and lost coins are incapable of solving their own problems. They're incapable of finding their own way back to where they should be. And in the same way, when we get lost in life, we're unable to do anything about it. When we get lost from God, we're unable to find our own way back to him. But God, in his grace and in his mercy, sees our lostness and he values those who are lost And he sees the task of finding us and saving us as something worthwhile, even as a joyful undertaking. And God has done something about the lostness of people, men and women in our world. And what he has done is focused on the person of Jesus Christ. He has sent Jesus into the world as Jesus says, to seek and to save the lost. Obviously, Luke 15 is before Jesus died and was raised again. But uh, taking the context of the whole Bible together, we see that God's solution to find and to save lost men and women is Jesus' cross, his death in our place, and his resurrection to become Uh, Lord, over all. What God has done to find and to save each one of us is focused upon, centred upon Jesus Christ, him coming into the world to show God's grace and mercy and to save us. We then learn that the shepherd takes the sheep to a lost place, to a safe place, sorry, It's not in the text, but we can maybe presume that the woman put the lost coin in a safe place once it was found. And then there's a nice touch, which really I I love in this parable of the lost sheep, is that the shepherd puts the sheep upon his shoulders and he carries it all the way home. For me, that's a lovely picture of Jesus who loves and cares for those he has found and will do everything necessary to bring them to a safe and secure place, to bring them to our eternal destiny. The sheep may well have been exhausted, hungry and weak. The shepherd doesn't push it, he doesn't kick it out the backside, the shepherd carries it home. I want to tell you this morning, friends, that Jesus meets you wherever you are at. However far you may have strayed from God, however you may have felt you have lost your way in life, whatever painful, tragic circumstances you are going through at the current time, Jesus comes and he can find you where you are at. Whatever state of brokenness you are in or not, whether you are weary or not, Jesus will carry you and he will care for you. If you think you've messed up in life, if you think you've ruined your life, Jesus can come and find you and he can help you put the pieces back together again. Jesus will take you to a better place Jesus will take you to a more secure, a safer place. That's perhaps above all a picture of eternity, but even in this life, life lived with Jesus is a better, a more secure and a safer life. So Jesus finds and saves lost men and women. Jesus carries and cares for lost men and women. And finally, in these parables, we see that Jesus rejoices over men and women who are found, or more precisely, who repent. Both the shepherd and the woman, when they find their sheep or their coin, they call their friends in and they're they're happy, they're rejoicing, they want to celebrate the fact that they have found what was lost. And in many ways, this is the main point of these parables. It's their conclusion. And so is perhaps the most important lesson that we should retain this morning. God, Jesus. They take great joy in finding and saving people who have lost their way in life. God absolutely bursts with excitement every time someone who is lost is brought back to true spiritual and eternal life by Jesus Christ. God wants to throw a party when that happens. Should this be a surprise? It probably shouldn't. Does it come as a surprise to you this morning? I have to admit, if you're like me, maybe it does. I don't know if you can identify with me, but sometimes... Yes, I can accept that God is gracious and merciful. He saved me, and I'm truly grateful for that. But somewhere at the back of my mind, of our minds, do we really believe that he's fantastically happy about that? Do we sometimes sense that maybe God, he did it begrudgingly or reluctantly, out of some sense of duty or pity? Sometimes, maybe we do have that niggling thought at the back of our minds. But that's not the message of these parables. If this morning you count yourselves amongst those who have been found by Jesus, God is absolutely overjoyed. He's thrilled to bits over you. Jesus delights to save. It's something that brings him great joy. And this is a thought and a truth that really needs to sink in so that we learn to truly celebrate with God what he is accomplishing in us and around us by his grace and his mercy. And so we see that the joy of God in both verse 7 and in verse 10, I initially was saying the joy of God is to see people lost who are lost being found and i was struck that it's actually the joy of god is seeing people repent Now the, the two things are more or less the same they're kind of two opposite sides of the coin but i think it's necessary to look at this word repentance and see what we can learn from it for according to verse 7 and 10 god takes great joy every time he sees someone repent Repentance, then, is to be an appropriate response to God's grace and mercy towards us shown by the Lord Jesus Christ. We usually understand repentance as being a a regret or being sorry for the things we've done wrong in life. We commonly understand repentance as being the desire to change our behaviour, to change our ways, to become better people. All these things are true, but my understanding of the Greek word is that there lies underneath something perhaps uh, more important, uh, which forms the basis for the fruit that come later. For the Greek word metanoia actually means to change one's mind. The word noia, as I believe, refers to the the thoughts that we have. And so I would suggest that in all three of these parables, Jesus is inviting both the Pharisees and the tax collectors and us to change our minds, to change our understanding about who God is. Jesus, through these parables, is trying to correct what we think about God and to help us to change what we understand of God and what we think about him. Now, if we go back to the Pharisees, they, it seems to me, had latched on to the holiness and the purity and the righteousness of God, which is, of course, good and right, but when we only think about those things, what happens? So, we can often have a faith or a religion that becomes very external, or very legalistic and judgmental. You see, the Pharisees, it seems to me, portrayed God more as a righteous judge, perhaps to the extent that they had eclipsed his love and his faithfulness and his grace and his mercy. And though so they were presenting God in a very severe and merciless way, rather than a God who was mercyful and also full of joy. They had sadly arrived at judgmental and pessimistic faith rather than a grace-filled and hopeful faith. And Maybe the tax collectors and other sinners had picked up on this. And they understood, well, if God's like that, then there's no hope for us, is there? We've messed up our lives and, well, there's no way back if God really is like that. But what these parables are saying to everyone who is listening is that you've got some wrong ideas about God and if you have the same image of him this morning, God wants you to understand that he's not like that and that there's a lot more of him to discover. Luke chapter 15 absolutely explodes with grace and with joy and tells us that perhaps God is not quite the person you thought that he was. Having said this, just as an aside, it's perhaps true that in some circles today the pendulum has swung right the opposite way, and that some believe that God is nothing but love, and they forget uh, his holiness and his righteousness. So, uh, Jesus in these parables is maybe correcting one extreme, But we need to be careful not to go to the other extreme which can lead to some different problems uh, such as moral laxity or maybe a tendency to believe that everyone will be alright on the night or universalism. So what we need to do really is grow all the time in our understanding of who God really is. Constantly refining that But having said that, that, the primary message of these parables is that God is putting on display his grace and his mercy and his joy in sending Jesus the Saviour. And he wants to change our minds and our hearts by this sense of grace and this sense of joy in our Saviour. I served uh, quite a few years as a missionary in France, and on quite a few occasions when I was talking to people about uh, their faith or their religion and how they viewed God uh, they would describe God in French as a père fouettard. now the best translation I can come up with is well they're describing God as a dad with a whip now these people were thinking that God is a dad with a whip my friends there is no whip in Luke chapter 15. And God God doesn't want us to view him as a father with a whip. As I said earlier, the shepherd carries the sheep back. He doesn't kick it or beat it all the way back. Maybe there's a second thing that we need to repent of or examine ourselves about or change our minds about. First of these parables enlarge our vision, our understanding of God's grace and his joy and his mercy. Uh, We need to change our understanding to include that in our image of God. But maybe at a second level, these parables want us to change how we view people around us, how we view those who we may label as lost, or who we may label in all kinds of different ways, who may be despised or marginalised by society. God doesn't want us to view them as people to judge, as people to complain about, as people to criticise. He wants us to view them as people who are in need of God's grace, who are in need of Jesus' love, who need to be offered that hope of a fresh start, offered that hope of a new beginning with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, change our image of God, repent or change our minds about who God is, change our minds about who people around us are as well and our attitudes towards them. So, as I conclude, I just want to draw out briefly uh, maybe three lessons, three invitations. Just a reminder for anyone this morning who may feel that they've lost their way in life, who may be discouraged or in despair about that Jesus tells you through these two parables he's offering you the hope of a new beginning with him. You may have grown up with a false or distorted or wayward idea about who God is and what he is like. Perhaps that's been influenced by the media which certainly present God in a very negative way. I hope that these parables will help you to change your minds about who God is and to see God as someone who offers grace and love and who would be delighted if you were to return to him. Secondly, there's an invitation or a call to all of us, whether we've been found by Jesus lots of years ago or just recently, to continue correcting and improving and refining our understanding and our vision of God's grace and his joy. And it's a call for us to partake or to share in that grace and joy in such a way that it will kill off the last vestiges of legalism and judgmentalism that can so commonly affect our lives. It's a call for us to celebrate together all the good things that God is doing in our lives and in the lives of other people, and in the lives we hope of those we seek to reach in the community around us, We are to be a community of celebration and of joy because of what is doing God is doing for us, through us and around us. And then finally, there is perhaps a call or an invitation to follow Jesus in his kind of ministry to a lost world, to follow Jesus by announcing and teaching that message of grace and joy, to follow Jesus by being an example of that message of grace and hope and joy by the way in which we love our neighbours and seek to communicate God's grace towards them. Going, taking deliberate steps towards those who are lost, those who have lost their way in life, meeting them where they are at, caring for them, persevering with them and rejoicing with them over all that God is accomplishing in their lives. Finally then, I trust that in some small way this morning, if in some small way you have changed your mind about God, had in some small or big, fresh way appreciated his grace and his joy... If that has been accomplished this morning then I'd be a happy man but even more if that's been accomplished this morning God will be rejoicing.